0: Welcome everyone, this is Carlos from SeedCamp and we are on our third installment of a series of podcasts around product and uh, behaviors and roadmaps for uh, startups. And uh, with us we have Taylor Westcote, uh, expert in residence at uh, SeedCamp uh, and as you may have heard from the first podcast and from the second one, he comes with a background uh, in that space having uh, worked at companies like eBay and what he's going to be sharing with us in this final of the three podcasts is the conclusion to some extent of the, the transition from a traditional product roadmap, uh, correct? Correct. Uh, to a new form which is built on behaviors and so if you want to sort of catch up uh, maybe Taylor you can just give a quick summary for those that are just tuning in right now uh, about sort of where we've gotten to so far. I think we left it at the vision and then maybe we'll jump straight into uh, the, the customer journey behavioral roadmap and the brainstorms. Sounds
1: good. Thanks Carlos and uh, hi again, everyone. So last time what we talked about was the vision roadmap and the idea behind the vision roadmap um, and generally is to just sort of unpin us from this traditional notion of a feature-led roadmap. So the vision roadmap is the translation of your vision into the staged and sort of segment specific set of steps that you need to achieve to get to the realization of your vision. Put in the perspective of your customer because at the end of the day, that's what really matters how your customer feels. And sort of the next steps along this path are how to take each one of those propositions, I call them, um, and turn them into a behavioral customer journey that gives you your behavioral roadmap that then gives you the sort of right alignment with your team to figure out what features to build and then go do the minimum viable product test methodology that, um, that you know, with Lean Startup, we know is what startup should be doing.
0: Okay. So that's where we left it. So walk us through sort of the next step then. Since mm-hmm. since
1: we're like moving now into sort of how to, what's the next step? Okay. So um, if we hearken back to the previous conversation where we talked about uh, the hogwash business that ser- that um, aims to take care of everyone's car for them starting with washing starting with the um, uh, busy professional segment so we decided the proposition for our first target segment was we're gonna um, give you an occasional last minute sparkle on your car and we're gonna send our individual car washers out to wherever you need them whenever you need them to wash your car so um, that's a proposition right um, the the occasional last-minute sparkle for my car so how do we need to do that and typically when we build a website we think in terms of a funnel right so I've built built my website and it's got I'm um, tracking visits and then how many people Um, add something to the cart and then how many people go through the checkout process and how many people ultimately purchase and that's a funnel that's a typical way of looking at something Um, and what I'm advocating is going beyond that and looking at the entire customer journey and that is all the stuff they're thinking about before they do it how they heard about it um, going all through the experience on your site and following through through all the things that happened thereafter because in the case of this hugwash business, one purchase isn't enough, we need repeat purchase. And so what are they thinking about? What are all the steps? So the example I, I, I go through is, first they're talking with their colleagues, then maybe they're Googling the idea of getting a local wash, and then they're coming to the site, they're looking at the stuff, ideally they're signing up, and and perhaps before they pay, they there might be a, a step in there that in the funnel looks like a big drop, but what's actually happening there, is they're having a conversation with whoever their maybe their partner is or their financial advisor or their boss, checking if it's okay to use this business. Um, and once they pay, going all the way through, showing their friend that their car is clean, and then later perhaps scheduling again, right? So that the entire the entire customer journey I think it's important to understand because with each of those steps, there's the opportunity to, A, simply identify them and see if there are opportunities there, or look at those specific behaviors can understand those behaviors more deeply because a be- behavior is um, not just an action, it's an action with a, a reason behind it, they took that action for some reason, and then there's an expected reward that the, that the, that the user has through having um, uh, exhibited do to, that behavior. Do, do you want to go
0: into a, a deeper explanation of what, what you constitute as a sufficient behavior? Right, yep. Like, it, it could be frustration, you know, at the, at the silly end of things to like a click through in the most obvious sense. So yeah. what, what do you loosely
1: put into behavior? What should you be looking out for? So so the way I think it's useful to think about a behavior in this context and building a customer journey as a sequence of behaviors is a behavior is an action with a motivation and a reward. And they're substantive. They're not as simple as a click because the customer doesn't care about the click. The customer doesn't care about your features. Um, no one should care about your features. What the customer cares about, as I've said before, is saving time, saving money, having more fun with their friends, whatever the case may be. So they're they're taking an explicit action in expectation for a reason in expectation of something happening. So if they're they're not giving you their email, they're signing up to get something from you. So you've set the expectation that by giving the giving you their email address, they're going to get extra information or they're going to get access to see more things or they're going to become part of some cool club, right? So the behavior is um, signing up to something rather than putting your email address into the form.
0: Hmm. And do you want to go into um, perhaps a little bit of a deeper, uh, maybe verbal explanation of how you map that? How do you normally map that? How, how do you... How do you go through visualizing that process, and and also how do you do you start with a hypothesis of these things, or is it through observation? Then you re- reorganize, and maybe you just
1: walk in more detail as to yeah. So. Um you know everyone's going to have a slightly different path to this depending on whether or not you've got your first version of your product built the extent to which you've already engaged with your customers or done some user research on them Um, and so i've used this model with about seven or eight of the startups here so far and it's always slightly different Um, it's always a hypothesis because whatever you may have observed it may or may not be persistent across your customer segments but you're sitting there basically you're sitting in a room and you're saying okay, well, what's our funnel? Okay, now let's um, let's expand beyond the funnel, right? So it's not just visit the site. Why did they visit the site? What were what were they doing? What led them, let's say, to Google that thing? Was it a conversation with their friends? Was it frustration with their inability to achieve some goal they had? So so going back up backwards in the user journey and then forwards in the user journey. So identifying, for example, whenever there's a drop um, in a step in the funnel, there's often You know, there may be something else that they're doing in between those two steps, right? Signing up, um, going through uh, know-your-customer, you know, KYC checks um, between that step and paying, um, usually a big drop, and usually there's a reason for that because they need to go check with someone, or they need to um, think about it for a bit, or they need to research other options. Um, And so, identifying all those behaviors, and then even after the purchase, um, why would someone come back? It's, It's not because you had a great purchase experience. It's Whatever the follow-up experience was, perhaps whatever positive reinforcement they received from a friend, a conversation they had, maybe they bragged about it. Maybe um, their friend said, "Oh, that—that's a really cool idea." Um, all, all those those meaningful actions that contribute to ultimately achieving the proposition you want. Which, in some cases, may be repeat purchase. In some cases, maybe habitual um, return visit. You know, it depends on what proposition you're targeting. And. And what false positives or confirmation bias have you
0: seen startups? I mean, maybe there's none, but are there any that you've seen mistakes, false positive mistakes, where they're like, this is a behavior, I've, I've tracked this, but actually it isn't. I need to give them time to do this. or Is there anything that people should be mindful of?
1: So so the biggest one always with, with startups is, um, is simply a positive bias, right? Positive bias towards your own um, expectations of what a user may want to do. And so when you see any kind of um, confirmation of that, you naturally are going to latch on and say, oh, this user gets it, right? This user gets it the way I want to think about it. Um, and so that, that, that's positive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it may or may not be. You may, you may gloss over the fact that the user was thinking about something else at the time, or um, the fact that two other users didn't do it because they just you know, didn't get it, right? Those, those are sorts of things that it's easy to miss um, when, you're, when you're biased towards your own product.
0: Hmm. okay so what comes after that so you, you um you know we covered the customer journey yep and we've started to identify certain elements of it you yep. know behaviors uh, driving kpis sure um so what, what comes after that
1: so um so one of the the cool things that always tends to happen when we go through this full customer journey exercise is through that journey we sort of identify like oh yeah that sort of extra step so one with a with a with a fintech startup was the fact that there was a conversation with their partner about whether or not they should invest, and we said, "Oh, actually, there might be some opportunity to address that. We could, you know, make a make an email for them that emails the partner and says, hey, uh, you know, your your partner looked at this, and these are the reasons they thought it was good. What do you think? You know, click a one to five stars or something like that.'" Um, and another example was um, with a B two B service where. They would sell the subscription in to someone who was making the decisions, but it ended up being someone else in the chain that was actually using the software. And they realized that, okay, actually, it's not about just making a cool piece of software. We actually need to appeal to that totally different mindset assistant of theirs who's actually going to be tasked with using the software. And the assistant cares about different things. The assistant cares about you know, maybe doing what they're told. Maybe um, in this case, I think one of the ideas was, well, maybe if they do it 10 times, we send them a box of chocolates. Um, And I thought that was a a really good example of what um, totally blowing out this customer journey enables people to do. The whole goal of this process is to free up the thinking of your team away from like, should we build this feature or that feature and more towards actually what the customer does and what the customer cares about is most important. And so let's orient our thinking on that. And typically what I see is it, it yields, oh yes, actually that's the most important behavior we need to target in the next 90 days, right? So keeping our roadmap short, saying those are the critical things we need. It's not necessarily that feature that we know we're gonna need six months from now, but it's that behavior that we need. And there's tons of ways to get that behavior from like calling the customer up and saying, hey, have you, have you done that thing yet? Um, in a B2B context or, you know, offering some reward for for exhibiting the behavior um, and typically in startups, what you're looking for is um, is repeat behavior um, so that you can demonstrate that you have some stickiness to your product and a, a higher level of engagement or an increasing level of engagement because that's the sort of, typically that's what leads to the growth curve. It's once people actually like the thing, that tends to be when they recommend it to their friends and so forth. Hmm. Um, and so encouraging the repeat behavior um, is, is usually really valuable. So how does this change the dynamic of how teams
0: brainstorm um, sprints or, or, or how do they
1: think about um, developing a product with this in mind? Sure. So um, I think probably with a lot of what product does, to some extent, product tries to be a um, a filter before developers are committing code um, because the the... The worst thing, worst feeling in the world, is you build something and no one cares. Right? Happens a lot. Happens really a lot. And and it's still going to happen no matter how much you work, you do up front. But by using these tools like the vision roadmap and the customer journey and the behavioral roadmap, um, the idea is you engage everyone at the level they need to be engaged. So everyone's oriented around what the business is really trying to achieve and why, and everyone's free to think about how can we actually achieve these customer behaviors because it's the behaviors that drive KPIs, not the features. Um, and it, uh, ideally it's just, it's leading to better ideas, right? That's, that's the goal of this. Because um, at the end of the day um, you have your vision and you know you have to do minimum viable product tests. So how good the idea that you're testing is, is you, you want it to be as good as possible. You don't want to just, you don't want to burn time on lame ideas and this tries to, give you the mindset to come up with the ideas that everyone thinks is going to have the best impact on that. But I mean, what suggestions do you have for teams
0: that are doing this process yep. in this new way? Yep. And already, they already have a, a, a workflow for the old way. In yep. the new way, what, what, like, from an HR, like, let's break it down into components. Like, sure. From an HR perspective, are there people that should be part of this meeting that typically are not? Are, um, what should the format of, of this review process look like? Um, how do you rank these things? I mean, yes, there's yep. the behavior you want the customer to do, but how do you rank the, the steps that... Because re- once you're starting to move away from, like, building, like, I'm going to build steps, I'm going to build a window, you're moving to, I want people to notice the door, I want people to go through the door, I want people to look out the window, and those behaviors probably have a knock-on effect on how you preempt the, that, that behavior through a series of psychological Uh, sort of influencers yeah Uh, maybe things that motivate uh, some of caldini's uh, views on influence and and so sure walk us through that everything from hr impact organizational impact your recommended structure
1: for meetings to be held so that some of you have this is the best possible outcome okay so uh you know i I have to be honest i'm standing on the shoulders of giants here um so so just making sure we're all on the same page. We've got our full customer journey. We have identified what key behaviors we want to drive, and that's our behavioral roadmap for the next 90 days. Now it comes to the point of, okay, if we want to drive this behavior, how can we drive this behavior, the brainstorming process? And so there are um, there's, some, there's some great... Um, Great things to look at for this. So, for example, IDOs, how might we philosophy on how they do brainstorming sessions? Um, Natalie Nahai's work uh, and and Nir Ayal's work and Dan Ariely's work are, are really good um, uh, catalysts for how to think about people making uh, people that need to make decisions and how do you influence those sorts of things. Um, the structure of brainstorming is is once you've got the right people in the room and. As far as your question, like who are the right people, you you need the group to be small enough not to be distracting. It needs to be the right thinkers in your organization. It needs to cover the breadth of the the key drivers of your organization. So, you know, generally sort of your senior people, you've got to have development in there. You've got to have marketing in there um, and you've got to have, you know, naturally you want your product, your UX um, and your strategic people in there. Um, I don't have any new theory to add to that question of who should be involved in the brainstorming process because ideally you've been doing a great job in hiring and uh, you have all smart people in your organization. But it's not like
0: you need a degree in psychology either to like understand the motivations, intrinsic motivations. Like is this driven by fear? Is this driven by that? So therefore that behavior is a consequence of
1: this, is a consequence of that. therefore you're trying to tap into that. Yeah. Yeah. So the, so the thinking there is that for every behavior, if you do your customer journey, um, the next sort of uh, extra bonus point step is for every behavior, identify the reason for that behavior and um, also identify the expected reward out of that behavior. If the reason they're exploring, looking at this new service you're offering um, may be something like they, uh, they, want to be, they want to be innovative, they want to come up with new ideas. Um, the expected reward might be something along the lines of it's something as simple as saving money, but it might be something more along the lines of I want to be seen as cool by my colleagues, or it might be seen as um, I want my boss to you know no, notice me and and perceive me as innovative and therefore give me a promotion, right? So so those needs because um, that's that's very
0: important for this to work because. You, your product might have to require for example as, as to the last point that you just made about you want to look good for your boss yeah if this product is enabling you to to make a decision and the output of it is like a printout that you then you can hand to your boss exactly and you've converted that behavior by not only creating the product but also the output
1: which allows that person to follow through on that behavior right and that that's that's some of the the, the magic might be a little heavier word, but ideally it feels magic at the end is because by looking at those, the behaviors, the motivations and the rewards, it opens up your mind to sort of what can we do with product? Can we create this output, this thing that we print out, this email that we send, recognizing that this conversation and that reward, um, expected reward exists. How can we support that? How can we reinforce that? How can we encourage it? Or in in, in some cases, you want to compare it and say, this is how you used to do it that way sucks, our way is way better. Um, so there's ways you can latch on to motivations and rewards with comparisons and ideally supplant them towards the behavior that you want the customer mm-hmm. to undertake.
0: So this, cool. I mean, there, there definitely is some merit here in exploring uh, and taking um, a deeper dive into the psychology of the customer as they're engaging with the behavior or the behavior that you want them to, to, to engage in. Because yeah. if you don't understand that you're going to have a harder time converting. So if it's a, a travel website and that person's got wanderlust, you know, and they want to go and travel somewhere, how are you going to create a behavior that taps into that and then gives them an output that's tangible now? So that even though the conversion might be months from now,
1: that there is something
0: tangible, if I understood you correctly. Yeah,
1: sure. So things like bucket lists and, and things like sharing that... Um, you know, what are the cities I've been to, uh, you know, they tend to spur people on to, oh, that, that person's been to more cities than me. Maybe I should think about going to another city, right? You're tapping you're tapping into um, motivations, a lot things like that mm-hmm. um, and, and that stuff. Um, usually when we go through this exercise, at least two or three sort of novel ideas tend to fall out of it um, and, and, and it reorients uh, the team on, you know, what they should be working on it. Sometimes it's realizing they shouldn't be working on that thing that the development team was planning to spend the next, you know, uh, two months coding.
0: Mm. And so how does this map into the hogwash example that we were talking about earlier? You you know, you're talking about people um, going through the service. um, And and how would the behaviors, if you broke it down for the the simplicity of the hogwash example, what, what would the behavioral roadmap look for hogwash?
1: So, um, so for, for example, uh, we, we got to the behavioral roadmap, we said, it's chatting with colleagues and then Googling and then visiting the site, reading reviews, looking at prices, et cetera, et cetera. The, the key behaviors we identified um, were getting someone to schedule an appointment um, and then uh, getting them to talk to their partner, whoever that might be. Because typically, you know, in, a, in a basic funnel, that's where you see the big fall off. Scheduling doesn't cost anything. That's easy to get them to do. Um, actually committing to pay, identifying that there's an intermediate step in there, um, and, and we call that talking to their partner, even though hogwash is a pretty low, low purchase price. Um, getting, that, getting that influence uh, sorted out is something we thought would be really valuable from a hogwash standpoint. So let's, let's play with that one. Let's, yep. let's, let's play with talking to your partner. What would that, so that's the behavior. Yep.
0: What would precede it? And I don't know what the word is—post seed, pre seed, post seed. Anyway, yeah. so let's say what would precede that? Uh, it would be you identifying the rationale why this person has to go talk to their partner, and what the mindset of that person is, and then creating the right level of copy uh, on the on the component of the product that is going to enable the trigger to then them going and taking the behavior, sure. And then the output the results being something that enabled them to either
1: have the material or the conversion for the next step. Yep, so um, in, the, in this example, uh, it's, it's preceded the beha- preceding behavior is someone schedules an appointment because that's a step before paying, and the talking to, a, to the partner is sort of an invisible step. It doesn't exist in the product. And so by recognizing that it exists, what we do is we say, okay, what's the motivation? Why are they talking to their partner? Well, because they need to get, um, uh, they've made a promise that they will discuss decisions of this nature with their partner and the expected reward is that their partner thinks hey cool idea uh i like what you're doing i like the way you're thinking about spending money right so um at at minimum you can latch on to the reward and say okay if they if they are seeking approval or uh, a sense of approval from their partner about making good financial decisions then perhaps you're reinforcing that in your imagery in in the way you talk about going to the next step paying um, by saying you know great you're about to make a really smart financial decision that you're um, that all your friends uh, will sort of pat your back about Um, you might even build product features in there so the example I've used a couple of times is um, not you know not ready to pay yet Um, you know make you know Double-check if someone else thinks this is a good expenditure enter their email address. We'll send it to them and And we'll explain to them why you want to make this decision and and ask for their feedback Mm -hmm. So some examples like that might be ways to encourage that behavior It would also once you start building features like that it would allow you to actually have insight into a feature that you previously didn't know was happening um, and And that, of course, you still got to go validate all this stuff is real by testing it with customers. Mm -hmm. But actually, you know what's interesting about this conversation, Taylor, is
0: that um, it it really highlights two things. One of them is um, how much in the dark ages some of the previous uh, product roadmaps might have seemed when it comes to one thing is emotional awareness of the customer. Right. It, to, the, the second point is that it might seem to some that are listening to this that this is exploiting uh, people's emotions during that funnel to, to get a customer behavior to, to convert, you know, to, to make something happen. But I guess I want to get your thoughts on it from, from what I'm hearing. It sounds to me like really in the past people have been building products that are disrespectful to humans, meaning they're not really thinking through about the state that people are in, disrespectful to the customer state. Rather than now, what you're recommending, if I understood it correctly, is a more emotionally aware, uh, which then leads to that behavior, an emotionally aware product that understands the motivations at the point of consumption and therefore makes a more humane process that is in line with the customer's needs at the time that the purchase is being made. Whereas in the past, they, they, that was completely ignored. What was ignored? The, the trying to be humane about it part? Yeah, perhaps. I mean, it, I, it would seem from listening to, to, to you speak about the behavior as the priority that in the past by looking entirely on a feature based uh, comparison, you really are stripping that element of, of conversion on understanding what each one of the motivations are between each one of the conversion steps.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean I think I think features what we really need to understand that they are they are an abstraction between the user and the business, right? And ultimately, um, it's, it's the user, especially in a startup, it, it, you know, it's certainly in larger organizations too, that we need to be thinking about. And, and we're, we're long used to uh, um, just saying, these are, these are the features that are gonna do the job. There's a, there's a natural tendency towards hubris, uh, especially at larger organizations who just think users are gonna take what they're given. Um, and by reorienting thinking around the user, um, at, at several levels, all the way from the vision on down, um, I think it's a strong competitive advantage, right? It's, it's an opportunity to um, stay ahead of, of your competitor by understanding your user better.
0: Well, it's probably also m- reinforces your brand because if your brand is representing something specific to the customer, the product is also representing that as well. Yep. It's, and that's no longer decoupled from that chain. Yeah. It's uh, not this entity that is completely,
1: un- you know, Floating in its own little paradise. Yeah, but so that's interesting. Um, sorry, we're gonna say something. Uh, I, I think it, I think it's recognizing for them um, the things that matter to them that are not part of your product. I think that's an important and and I would say considerate um, offering on mm. your behalf to the customer. So I guess if, if we move into the, the last part of the of yeah. the of the flow, what what comes next then? Yeah, so we've got a behavior. We've got all of the right people in the room, and we say, okay, everyone, this is the behavior we want to. Encourage. Um, so let's brainstorm. And brainstorming, um, you know, ideas how might we process is a good way to do it. Um, but generally, you're just having everyone come up with ideas. And there's there's lots of reading out there for how to do how to do brainstorming well. Um, at, at the end of the day, you're going to get a massive list, a massive list, or a big wall full of post-it notes, um, and you need to narrow those down. And so there are, there are again um, good ways of thinking about how to do that. Pandora's model, where everyone gets a a five, you know, a bunch of $5 coupons and you vote on which ones you like, um, that, that sort of thing tends to work. Um, there's no, ultimately no science for uh, creating great ideas. Um so I, I don't have any magic wand for that. Um, mm-hmm. the, I think one of the important things to keep in mind is that if it's not important enough for you to do in the next 90 days, um, sure, you can put it in a list, you can put it in the opportunity cloud, but um, ultimately, 90 days from now, you're gonna be a set in such a different place that it doesn't matter what was in the list before. So focus on the things that really matter. Um, re-estimate those, scope those, um, and and I think the, the goal is coming out of it, you have a list of things, some of which you probably wouldn't have thought of if you were just tasked with thinking of features to drive the KPIs, um, and, and then everyone's oriented around why they're doing something, particularly with the engineering team who's, who's often just tossed specifications over the fence and thinking, well, why are we working on this stuff? And, and when you lead it with, this is what we want the customer to do, um, and these are the things, you engineering who was sitting in the room anyway, um, there are gonna be, these are the things you're gonna be tasked with building. Um, and, and it's very, very clear why, rather than here's a bunch of features that we want you to execute against, which is never a good relationship. And engineering is, you know, especially in a startup, right at the core of what needs to work well. Cool. So that, that's that's everything then. It's everything. Thanks, Carlos. I, I'll I'll uh, I'll make sure all these things are up up on the site so people can click through and, and um, actually see the the visuals of what we've been talking about.
0: Excellent. And um, did you have any any final recommendations in terms of follow on material people? coming mean, and you can put that up in the blog post as well. But I will. Is there is there any
1: final thoughts that you want to leave people with? Uh, you know, I can just shout out to some of the people that are doing great work and have influenced me like uh, I have with, you know, Natalie Neha and, and Nir Isle and, and people like that. It's has solid work and it's very, um, I love the psychology of product decisions and uh, and I applaud them for, for pushing that
0: forward. Great. Well, um, we'll have this up um, on a couple of blogs uh, and you can also listen to the previous podcasts that walk through the previous uh, sections of the of the behavioral roadmap, and uh, till next time. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.